Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and happy Monday, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where, heck, there's been a lot of news breaking out in the last 24 hours, starting late last night when I broke the story of the Georgia Speaker of the House, David Ralston, sending a letter demanding for the first time a criminal investigation of how votes were counted in Fulton County. Yes, that's right. You heard me right. The Speaker of the Georgia House the highest ranking Republican, actually the highest ranking lawmaker in the Georgia Assembly, has called for the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, the criminal investigative arm of the state police, to conduct an investigation into the way votes were counted. David Ralston sent a letter to Fulton County. That's where Atlanta's based. That's where all the problems that I've reported on and others have reported on. Remember that 29-page memo from Brad Raffsenberger's deputy who went to Fulton County and literally filled 29 pages of notes saying this was wrong, that was wrong. You, that, they were scanning, double scanning ballots. They weren't protecting ballots. They weren't protecting the privacy of information. Ballot counting workers were talking about messing up the election. They used a little bit more colorful words, but you get what I mean. Well, that's a big deal. And all of those cumulative reports, along with what Bob Cheeley, the great lawyer in Georgia, who's got the audit going on down there, it prompted a Republican who'd been pretty quiet on the issue of Fulton County and voting irregularities and election integrity to jump into the fray, write a letter. You can read that letter at justthenews.com, right in the dig in section of my story. Check it out. Couple big things. We got great guests today. Uh, Fred Flights, the former chief of staff to the National Security Council under President Trump, longtime CIA analyst, really one of the best national security experts in the country, respected on all sides of the aisle. He's here to talk about the big news today. Yep. Uh, President Biden announced that China, those guys that the Democrats were consorting with for a long time, hacked in a big way Microsoft email accounts across the globe a major cyber attack against American interests. Uh, we're going to talk to Fred about that. What are the options? Will the Democrats, will this administration do more than just call it out? Will it sanction them? Will there be some punishment for what China did? Big, big cybersecurity hack. Very unnerving to people I've talked to. We'll get the latest from Fred Flights. And then we're going to go to Cuba. We'll also talk to Fred Flights about Cuba. The freedom fighters there on the ground trying to overthrow the communist regime to get liberty, to get freedom. Will Joe Biden do anything to back them? Will he turn on the Internet? Will he do 
things that send a message to Cuba that we want the Cuban people free. We're going to bring in Rafael Cruz. Who's that? He is a Cuban emigre. He was beaten during the last revolution when Castro came to power, put in prison, really saw the Cuban revolution under Castro for what it was. It promised power to the people. It turned out to be power to the communist government. He is the father of Senator Ted Cruz. That's why you probably remember his name. An amazing personal story, personal journey by this incredible American, Cuban-American, a freedom lover, a tremendous advocate for the people on the ground in Cuba fighting for liberty for the first time in a long time. Uh, He's going to tell us his personal story because Rafael Cruz, now a minister, the father of Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, he has an amazing personal journey and he has a megaphone in the Cuban-American community, in the Cuban community on the island. And we want to hear what he has to say, what he wants President Biden to do. Stay tuned. A big day, big interviews. A lot of breaking news as well. We told you about China, told you about Georgia. A lot to follow. You get the latest headlines by going to justthenews.com any moment. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Fred Flights, great intelligence expert, great national security expert, former chief of staff to the National Security Council under President Donald Trump. Right after this commercial break. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake-me-up-when-the-sun-sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a true national security expert. He's the former chief of staff to the National Security Council under President Donald Trump, a longtime intelligence analyst for the CIA, and really one of the smartest national security thinkers in the country. Joining me right now is Fred Flights. Fred, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, good to be here. Nothing to talk about on a Monday, huh? Just a little hacking with China, a little Cuba revolution. Who knows? Um, That's right. <laughs> what a what an amazing world and time we live in. Uh, give me a little sense, if you could, of the um, the order that the president did today, uh, uh, calling out China for this hacking of the Microsoft Outlook yeah, or yeah, Microsoft email system. What do you what do you see in that early um, uh, attempt to to fight back? Well, first of all, this seems to be a massive, massive hack breaking into the Microsoft email system. And I don't think this this is not just an attempt to uh, sabotage or damage U.S. infrastructure. This is an attempt to steal information from American citizens, from companies, even from the U.S. government. And at a minimum, there has to be some type of serious sanctions against China. We know China has an an industrial scale hacking effort to steal secrets and commit cyber uh, cyber espionage and sabotage. Uh, This this can't be taken lightly. Yeah. And so far today, all the president did was announce and highlight that we know what happened. Uh, do you think there is the will there to impose the sort of sanctions that would send a message to China that you got to stop the silliness? I don't. I think that Biden has an extremely frivolous foreign policy. It's focused on climate change. It focus, it's focused on getting us back in that terrible nuclear deal with Iran. Uh, we need China to move the, 
the, the Iran deal forward. Uh, and uh, the administration is obsessed with getting China to participate in its various efforts on global warming. Right. I, I think we'll complain about this, but nothing will happen. Wow. And, you know, for those of the uh, in America who say, well, China doesn't really have ill intent. They're really a good partner. Uh, the conservatives overblow the uh, or bl- uh, blow out this concept that China is a threat. This is a really cogent example of how intrusive and how determined they are to steal our information, isn't it? It is. And, you know, we see over and over again that these hacks take place because companies don't have adequate cyber defenses. Mm-hmm. Weak passwords are not using up-to-date antivirus or they're using older versions of Windows. But this sounds like the Microsoft company itself was hacked. And one would think that they have the best cyber protection. You would so think so. This may be much more serious than we realize. Yeah. And it comes on uh, the, you know, a, a string of hacks that are just jaw-dropping in terms of, you know, whether they're ransomware or, you know, entire government systems penetrated last year, China today. Uh, I asked this to a couple of people who were back in the time, and Newt Gingrich was one of them, back in the 90s when we when we move from most favored nation uh, trading status with China, meaning every year we evaluate whether they were a good uh, soldier and whether we should give them trading rights to permanent trading rights. Do you think there is a moment now for Americans to reevaluate and go backwards and say, you know what, we're going to go year to year on approving trading rights to China because they need our markets to grow? And that seems to be our big hammer. Is it, Do you think that's even possible to do in this current climate? I would certainly do it. I, obviously, Biden's not going to do it. But let's get to the root of the problem here. Biden keeps calling China a partner or a competitor. China is an adversary or an enemy. France and Germany and the UK and Nigeria and Mexico, they're competitors. They compete with us for trade, for influence. Competitors play by the rules. China doesn't play by the rules. It wants to destroy us. If we just pretend they're like any other nation that's not going to exploit us at every opportunity, that's how they're going to get us. And, And Biden has no understanding of that dynamic. Yeah, it's really unusual for a man who had so much uh, foreign policy credentials on his resume that he has, uh, you know, by most accounts, even many Democrats are beginning to worry about the approach he is taking on on foreign policy. Um, Cuba is the next, uh, also the big opportunity right now, a real groundswell of of, uh, movement towards freedom, but maybe overthrowing the communist regime after 60 plus years. What is driving uh, the activity on the ground? Why did Cubans suddenly decide that it was time to rise up? Well, they've been oppressed, as we know, for uh, almost 60 years now. The economic situation is a disaster. I think the coronavirus situation hit them very hard. And part of the reason for that is that Cuba has a pretty good health system. They export their doctors to make money abroad. So as the virus was raging in their country, They didn't have the medical resources and the doctors to treat their own people because their doctors are in Venezuela and in other countries where and and in in exchange, Venezuela sends oil to Cuba. So it's it's accumulation of things. Right now, there's no food. The people are sick. There's no opportunity. They're oppressed. And I just think something snapped. Yeah, it is remarkable. And the, you know, those uh, Democrats who say, well, the Trump sanctions are the reason why there's zero evidence that that is the reason why the Cuban people are suffering hardship. It's the 60 year output of communism on, on the on the island. It used to be an amazing economy, right? That's right. It was, you know, the jewel of the Caribbean. And you, you can see this in, in is it the Godfather Two where they go there? Yes. You can see how opulent it was just before uh, the communists took over. But What the left is trying to say is that it's the U.S. trade embargo, it's Trump's policies that caused this. 
And I've, I've heard Biden officials say we had to reverse Trump's failed policies on yeah. Cuba. These were policies that were sticking up for freedom and opportunity. These weren't failed policies. These were policies based on principles. What are Biden's policies on Cuba? I don't know. Yeah, he, he's been very muted. And, uh, and, and the messaging out of the White House and out of the State Department seems to be very confusing and conflicted. What's your take on, on the opportunity that uh, Anthony Blinken, as Secretary of State, what should he do? If you're sitting there at the National Security Council, State Department, what would you tell our Secretary of State to do on Cuba? We have to clearly stand for the oppressed people of Cuba. Make no mistake about that. Very strong sanctions on the government. And we have to help restore the Internet. There, there are, there's a great editorial in the New York Times today. Yeah. I'm I mean, the Wall Street Journal, not the New York Times, which does not, which does not want to help Cuba, <laughs> on how we could help restore the Internet in Cuba with high-altitude balloons that would set up a, a, a net of uh, a network in the country, despite the government's efforts to, to shut it down. There are other ways with ships that we could help the people learn what's going on outside the country. And the, go- the government is desperate to shut that down, to shut down the ability of the people to, to, to cooperate and to communicate. This government, our government could easily fix this. Yeah, we really could and really push Cuba to the brink. Does your intelligence from what you know from the outside and you know, from your own understanding, how weak is that government? Could it be toppled pretty easily if America continued to support the freedom fighters on the ground? You know, I wish that was the case. It's very, very difficult to overthrow these entrenched dictatorships. They really have the, the muscle on the ground, the military muscle, the prisons, the, the ability to intimidate the people. We saw this happen several times in Iran it's really, really difficult. I mean, you're very brave if you stand up and protest this government because the regime, they will photograph you, they'll remember you, they'll put you in prison and they will kill you. Uh, it's, you know, I hope it turns out but that the people are able to overturn this government, but I'm afraid I'm not optimistic. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a, an unusual a moment in history because the fervor is there, but the capabilities may not be there. When you look at, I, I've looked at three moments in history over the last couple of days, kind of comparing them. 1986, when the Romanian protest started and Ronald Reagan clearly embraced those movements and, and uh, the beginning of, of the fall of the Soviet Union was ignited without a single gunshot. Uh, then in 2009, when the Green Revolution came in Iran, Barack Obama was coy. He didn't really embrace what the Iranian people were doing and that, that got uh, shut down. As you look at this now, I mean, Biden has two paths, right? To be a Ronald Reagan or a Barack Obama, which, which direction is he going to lean? I think he's going to be an Obama. And remember that Biden was part of the administration that normalized relations with the Castro regime. That's right. I don't think that Biden will do the right thing. And, and I might add something else that's very important. All these remaining dictatorships, they noticed what happened in Eastern Europe. The Chinese noticed, the Cubans noticed. They do not want that to happen to them They've been preparing to defend their dictatorships if a popular uprising appeared to be developing. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, how much does Russia and China play with Cuba behind the scenes? I mean, are, are they sort of like uh, an insurance card for the, uh, the communist government there? I think they're both fairly desperate that the communist government not be overthrown. They like having uh, Cuba in our, in our hemisphere, this hostile power right off our coast. The Russians have been rebuilding their relationship with the government that had faltered a little bit over the past 20 years. I'm sure there's a strong uh, Chinese presence there also. So we can expect them to be involved. Yeah, uh, that makes uh, any military intervention really difficult. 
if Ronald Reagan were around now and, and the, the sort of fervor that we had back in the 80s to defeat communism, which seems to have waned a lot with a newer generation of Americans, is the military option on the table back in the 80s? And should it be on the table today? No, I don't think it should be on the table. The American people do not want more military intervention. But look, strong American leadership speaking out on behalf of the Cuban people. And John saying to the Cuban people, you're welcome to come here. That's... That would do a lot. Isn't it appalling that we have said to the Cuban people, you're not welcome here. We'll send you back. They have to they have to swim to Mexico and come in over the Texas border. If they come in by water into Florida, they won't be accepted. It's unbelievable. It is because we're letting everybody else come through the southern border, but not Cubans. What do you think that that has a, uh, a political connotation to the Cuban people and to Americans? And then also, how does that play out maybe in 2022 in the elections? Well, I mean, Cuba is a favorite dictatorship for the left, but right. it's going to play very, very badly in, in Florida. This is great news. It's not great news for anyone, but I mean, politically, it's going to hurt the Democratic Party very badly in Florida. And I think it sends a terrible message to the people of Cuba that America is not there for them right now when they need us. Yeah, that is uh, from all the great uh, Cuban Americans I've been blessed to talk to over the last four or five days. That has been one of the resounding messages I've heard. Uh, we had. Yolette Frahela on the show. She obviously runs ADN Cuba, which the Trump administration funded. And the Cuban government's actually blaming them for instigating this freedom movement. But you listen to people and they're so frustrated that the American response is so muted. Communism in general, how did we get to a point where communism, socialism is acceptable to a pluralism? And in one generation, millennials, a majority seem to think it's okay. Where did our education system and our value system get, get sidetracked? I think the left has been quite busy over the past 50 years taking over our, our education system and pushing this far left agenda. But I mean, on among academics, there's always been this feeling towards socialism. There's always been a feeling that there's some type of moral equivalency between the two sides. Can I tell you something Ronald Reagan did about Cuba? I would love to hear this. Well, when Reagan was president, he made Armando Valadares ambassador to the UN Human Rights Commission. He made him a citizen. He, he, Valadares had been imprisoned in Cuba and tortured for a long period of time. And uh, I just I was on the delegation, the UN Human Rights Commission in, in, uh, in Geneva. And I remember how angry the, the Cubans were and their allies that this Cuban prisoner was talking about something that's not supposed to come up at a UN meeting. <laughs> Cuba's human rights violations by someone who had been tortured by the Cubans. That's leadership. That sent a message that the world couldn't ignore. And Varadars didn't speak English. It was a fantastic way of President Reagan saying, you know, I'm just not going to go along with this broken UN. I'm not going to go along with what's going on in Cuba. I'm sending Varadars as our representative to the UN Human Rights Commission. Amazing. Yeah. And we don't have that sort of leadership today. We don't see that sort of brinkmanship, that sort of uh, resolute statement about where America stands. And uh, I, the other countries don't see a commonality and a, a strongness in our voice. And so they take advantage of that. Um, over the next few days, what should we be watching out on both China and Cuba? Obviously, two big stories that are going to dominate national security uh, conversations. What are the things to watch for in the next few days? I'm afraid this hacking story with China is going to fade. I hope there's members of Congress who make a stink about it. But I think that members of Congress really need to pressure Biden on getting the Internet back on in Cuba. That's not difficult to do. There should be bipartisan support for that. Yeah. And if Biden's not going to do that, I'd like to hear the explanation. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. 
I mean, it could be done in- easily but uh, right off of our waters. We've seen Ted Cruz and I think Marco Rubio already calling for that. It'd be interesting to see if more members pressure the president and if any Democrats get involved. That'll be a, a real telltale. Fred, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. You are a fount of wisdom and uh, national security is such a tricky thing. And it's always great to have a sage voice helping us guide through these big moments in history. Great to be here. Thanks, John. Thanks, Fred. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Rafael Cruz, a Cuban emigre, someone who was imprisoned and beaten during the last revolution in the 50s and 60s, and the father of Ted Cruz, joining us in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And today I am so proud. We have a very special guest. We've been focusing on Cuba. We've been telling you all of the happenings day in and day out, the fight for freedom and liberty in that island that's been oppressed by communism. But today we have someone who lived the experience of the revolution, who fled there, came to America, and gave us one of our great political leaders. Joining us right now is uh, Rafael Cruz, the father of Senator Ted Cruz, a great Cuban-American and somebody that really understands the island. Rafael, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, John. It is a pleasure to uh, speak to you again after several years. It is an honor to be with you, sir. And uh, what a moment to have a conversation. The the island nation that you left is really agitating to finally get that freedom, to get free from the oppression of communism and the Castro regime and all that it has oppressed that island for nearly six decades. Tell us, I want to get into your personal story because it's such an amazing story. It's such a quintessential American immigrant story. But tell us, as you look today at the island that you left in the 50s, what do you see? What is really going on with the people of Cuba right now? Well, uh, I am so encouraged to see that finally uh, there's a cry out for freedom. You know, it reminds me of the very, very last word of William Wallace in Braveheart. Freedom! <laughs> That's right. And, and you know, uh, this is, uh, you know, if you look at the Declaration of Independence about, about those unalienable rights, life, liberty, liberty, and then the last one, the pursuit of happiness, yes. the opportunity to achieve your God-given dreams without any constraints from the government, you know, and people have been oppressed in Cuba now for more than six decades. And uh, I tell you, I remember when I was growing up, you know, I I was uh, just turning at uh, a teenager right. when uh, uh, Batista took over Cuba. I was just turned 13 years old when Batista took over Cuba. Very oppressive military dictatorship. And uh, he began killing thousands of people. And uh, uh, the revolution started with student protests in high schools and universities, which were quickly met by billy clubs. Right, And uh, I was involved in some of those early protests. And then in 1953, Fidel Castro, a 
young guy who had been a president of the University of Havana uh, Student Union with a group of young people attacked a, um, a, an army garrison in the eastern part of Cuba. Most of those kids were killed, but Castro and his brother Raul were in prison. And because of their family connections, they were uh, he came from a very wealthy family. Instead of being sent to prison or executed, they were exiled into Mexico. And so Castro began plotting a revolution from Mexico. And uh, so the revolution started again with students, high school and university right. students, with something similar to have you seen in uh, about the French underground during the Second World War. Right. Sabotage, propaganda, that sort of thing in the cities. So I became involved in the Cuban underground uh, in my hometown. And uh, then uh, when I graduated from high school in 1956, I went to Santiago to start university at the University of Santiago. And I remember November 29 of 1956, I was with a group of about 100 university students uh, one evening at a school building, which of course the school building was empty in the evening, and the leader of the the underground, the, the leader of Castro's uh, revolutionary group in the city was there, and he said to the hundred of us, Fidel Castro is landing tomorrow morning. Wow. And uh, you guys are going to be the support troops for Fidel Castro. He divided us into two groups. 50 of the people, and they were all university students, right. were to attack. Yeah, these weren't professional soldiers. <laughs> no, no, we were all students. Yeah. Uh, 18, 19 years old. So 50 were going to attack the police headquarters at 7 o'clock in the morning. The other 50, among which I was, were to be support troops for Fidel Castro when he arrived at 7 o'clock in the morning to attack that same army garrison wow. that he had attacked uh, years before. Well, uh, all of us, in groups of two or three all around this uh, garrison, without even weapons, we, Castro, was supposed to provide us the weapons when he arrived. At 7 o'clock, a runner came in saying, hey, abort, abort, Castro didn't land. Well, we all scattered. And, of course, uh, most of the people that attacked the police headquarters were killed. So the army was in high alert. I mean, they, they were going uh, looking for people from house to house. Right. So three or four days later, four of us decided we better get out of the city. The university had been closed immediately. So leaving the city, we got arrested and taken to that very same army garrison we were supposed to attack. And uh, I remember when they, we began walking into that garrison with the soldiers with their machine guns pointing at us, and soldiers crying out, to the firing squad, to the firing squad, I thought that would be my last day on earth. Wow. But you know, they had captured by mistake the son of an army major that was one of our uh, students at the university. We, all four of us cried out his name. They were releasing him. 
He came to us. He didn't know we were in the underground. He vouched for us, and they released us. Wow. And I thought, boy, did I get lucky. What a, what a moment of divine intervention. And I didn't know God had other plans for my life, and God spared my life. So we left Santiago. I went back to my hometown and resumed my operations in the underground. And seven months later, I got captured and imprisoned and tortured. And they just beat the living daylights out of me. And, mm. and it was something where they would beat you to a pulp, throw you in a cell. And of course, you get to the point where you were so numb, you didn't even feel any pain. Right. But about four hours later, everything hurt. And they will take you out and do it again. And this went on every four hours, day and night. And I thought, I'm going to be killed because typically when that happened, whoever got captured a few days later would appear on the street shot with a pistol in his hand. And the, the headlines were always the same. This guy tried to attack an army patrol and they get killed in self-defense. I thought that would be my fate. But again, I thought I got lucky. One, one morning, the colonel called me to his office and he said, we're going to release you. But if a bomb explodes in this city, I'm coming to get you. I remember, John, I said to this colonel, but colonel, how can I be responsible for what other people do? He said, I don't give a flip. <laughs> if a bomb explodes in this city, I'm coming to get you. Wow. So my father picked me up. I was all covered in blood. My, my clothes were red with blood. He took me home. Of course, my sister and mother were both hysterical when they saw me sure. not covered with blood. And uh, I had not been home any more than an hour when a, a woman came to our house. She was from the underground, and she said, look, they know who you are. They have assigned people to follow you 24 hours a day. You need to get out of the country. Well, remember, you, I still thought Castro was a good guy. I right. Yeah. You're thinking he's going to be the freedom fighter. Hood, yeah. Freedom fighter. So I said to this woman, well, can I go to the mountains? And I was ready to join Castro in the mountains. And she said, no, the mountains are totally surrounded. There is no way to get you there. You need to get out of the country. And again, you could say, I got lucky. No, God had other plans for my life. So I had been a straight-A student in high school. So I applied to three universities. The University of Texas was the first one to accept me. That's how I became a Texan. So with my acceptance letter from the university, I was able to get a four-year student visa from the U.S. Embassy. And I came to America on, in August of 1957 legally on a student visa went to Austin, Texas, to the university. And again, the hand of God, that God that I didn't know, but he knew me, provided me with a tuition scholarship. Wow. Which I didn't even apply for. It was offered to me when I got there. So Amazing. I never paid for tuition at the university. And uh, soon thereafter, I, I got a job as a dishwasher. And then as I learned a little bit of English, became a cook. And I cooked my way through university, working full-time, going to school full-time. But then in 1959, January, Castro took over Cuba. And so that summer after my finals, I went back to Cuba. And did I ever get a shock? 
that same man that was talking about freedom and so on and so forth now was talking about how the rich are evil, about how they oppress the, they oppress the people, and about the need to redistribute the wealth. Yeah, classic I Marxism. Yep. Yeah, uh, we, we heard similar words from Jimmy Carter. We heard similar words from Barack Obama, almost verbatim. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, then they began confiscating private property, began putting pastors in prison. They began what they call the People's Tribunals. Mm. Anybody who was not a strong supporter of the revolution was deemed a traitor. An enemy of the state, and right? Yeah. Deemed, and they would bring these people to these tribunals, and these people were executed. They killed thousands upon thousands of people in firing squads. As a matter of fact, and it is sad when you see all these university students in America wearing T-shirts of Che Guevara. Yep. Che Guevara is one of the biggest murderers that ever lived. He was in charge of these firing squads, and he boasted that he loved to shoot his pistols just before the soldiers would shoot the rifles, and he claimed he killed over a thousand of those people with his own pistol. And so I was shocked. They began confiscating private property, not just businesses, anybody who was a professional, an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor, they were labeled the rich, and their homes were confiscated. <laughs> and of course, as you can see, communism, one of the things about communism, which is a lie, is everybody's equal. Well, everybody's equal and everybody equally starves. <laughs> exactly. They destroy the economy because, you know, and we are hearing today with the Biden regime, this right. word about equity. Right. Equity is not equality. Equality is equality of opportunity. It's what the Declaration calls the pursuit of happiness, the greatness of America, that American dream that anyone can achieve their dreams with hard work and perseverance. But equity means equality of outcome, which is classic Marxism. And under equality outcome, it doesn't make any difference how hard you work or whether you don't work at all. You're going to make the same amount of money, so nobody works. So the first thing that happens under Marxism is the economy tanks. Cuba had the highest per capita income tied with Argentina in Latin America. Isn't that amazing? I mean, seventh and eighth highest in the world. The world, right? It was a robust economy at the time. Very robust, better economy than half of Europe. Today, John, the average salary in Cuba is $30 a month. Wow. $30 a month. And people are starving. And it's taken six decades for people to get the courage to start get to the streets and start screaming for freedom, which, of course, is being met with uh, what they call the Black Berets in Cuba, which are thugs that are going out and beating people up. Yep. Uh, Trying to intimidate freedom. Yeah. And, of course, the government says one person has been killed, uh, a family friend, uh, told me at the very least they know five people that have been killed and hundreds that have disappeared. Wow. They don't know whether they've been killed or they have been imprisoned, but those thugs are going throughout. They've been bossed throughout the country to beat people up. But you know what encouraged me? I remember 1986. Yes. When similar thing happened in Romania, millions of people of 
started going to the streets to protest that communist regime. Yes, Canseco, right? John, in 10 days, in 10 days, the Ceausescu regime was toppled with a peaceful protest. Yes. No, but it took millions of people in the streets. So I'm, I'm just encouraged that people in Cuba will not get intimidated and will not cower because they are beaten, but that more and more people will take to the streets and that we will see a positive change in Cuba. But I'll tell you what really, really concerns me. What we have in the White House today is a Marxist regime. They want to impose Marxism upon America. And I am really, really concerned, but encouraged at the same time, because I think that they have overplayed their hand. And I think that more and more Americans are waking up to the fact that this is not a utopia that they're promising. This is the usurpation of all our rights and freedoms as Americans. Yeah. We live in the greatest country on the face of the earth. We do. But you know, the Bible tells us to whom much is given, much is required. And so as Americans, we need to be awake to our responsibility as Americans. We have a stewardship responsibility over this great country of ours. So I want to encourage Americans everywhere Start standing up and speaking out against how our freedoms are being curtailed day after day with bills that are pending in the Senate now, like S-1, which will try to preserve their Marxist regime for the next hundred years. It is not about election integrity. It's about exactly the opposite. Or S-5, who seeks to destroy our religious freedom right. and destroy all our freedoms uh, under the Bill of Rights. And as Americans, we need to be involved. We cannot continue to be passive. And so I am encouraging every American, get involved in local elections, city council, school board. Look what is happening with critical race theory, which is the most racist thing I've ever heard. But praise God, across the nation, parents are coming to school boards saying, I don't want my children to be taught this Marxist racism. And so Americans need to get involved. We need to run for school board, city council, mayor. And I think that if we get involved, if we don't stay home, that we will retake the House in 2022, hopefully by a substantial minority, and stop this destroying of our liberties that is occurring day by day. In Washington. It's an amazing moment when people look at America saying, hey, where's your freedom going? When we were the bastion, the shining city of freedom for so long, and we're yielding it each day, whether it's to the school board, to big tech, to uh, to the big bureaucracy of a, of a giant government. Uh, our, our moment to reclaim America as it has always been is, is here. I want to ask you something because there have been three moments in my lifetime. I, I, was, I wasn't born when the Castro um, revolution occurred, but I saw when Perestroika began breaking out in the Soviet Union, how the Reagan-Bush team embraced those freedom fighters on the ground and allowed the Soviet bloc and communism to fall from within without a shot ever being fired. And then... Well, look at how Lee Waleska took right? over Poland. And that was just, uh, uh, again, we saw another case like, like Romania. Right. And, uh, and we saw a total turnaround. But I'll tell you what. We are not seeing any support not. from the Biden regime. As a matter of fact, what they have said is they have said to Cubans, do not 
get into the sea and come to America because we yeah. will send you back. We're going to send you back. And yeah. at the same time, they are allowing hundreds of thousands of illegals to come across the border, many of them with COVID, and not only that. I've talked to Border Patrol people that tell me all of those kids coming to America, they are slaves of the drug cartels. The drug cartels are charging them $10,000 a head to bring them to America. Human well, trafficking. Not many, not many families in, in Central America have $10,000 for their kids to come. That means those kids owe that money to the drug cartels. Yep. So when they come across, they come across as slaves of the drug cartels. They will put them either in child prostitution or pushing drugs or becoming sex at work slaves for the drug cartels. That's what's happening. And we need to open up the eyes of Americans that we think do. this is about compassion. It has nothing to do with compassion. These kids are coming across to be exploited by the drug cartels. Yeah. And the other thing that I was told is they are dividing them into two groups. The kids that come to surrender, they come to where all the border patrol are, but there's a separate group that comes across where there's no guards, no border patrol, and those are the terrorists, those are the gang members, yep. those are the drug pushers. The drug runners, yeah. So there's a lot of drugs, a lot of terrorists, a lot of gang members coming across undetected. Mm, this is not a good situation. I think back to 2009 when Iran had its Green Revolution, and there was a moment for Barack Obama and Joe Biden to step up and say, we support the people of Iran, and we could have probably toppled the mullahs. A lot of our na my national security sources say that was a moment where we could have toppled the incredible authoritarian uh, theocracy of the mullahs. And we stood silent and, and Iran stays oppressed to this day. We're at that moment, right? We're either going to take the Reagan perestroika points, we're going to get behind Alec Walesa and the Romanian students and, and, and embrace freedom in these countries, or we're going to stay silent. And it seems to me, and I think you just said it, that Joe Biden hasn't done in your mind what an American president should do to encourage this moment of liberation for Cuba. Do you think there's an opportunity to change his mind? Do you think there's a way for, you know, people like your son and other leaders to stand up and say, Mr. President, tell them they can come here. Tell them it's time for communism to fall 90, 90 miles from our shore. What, what do you think needs to be done to get the president and his administration aligned with the right John, response? John, unfortunately, Unfortunately, I think the probability of that happening is zero. Zero. And let me tell you why. The reason why Biden and the Democrats want all these illegals to come across the border is because they think this, and they want, if you look at S1, they want to make them eligible. To oh, vote. yeah, this is a voting play. Because they think they're going to vote Democrat. That's right. Cubans historically vote Republican. That's they right. They want them to come. Yeah. Because they have seen communism firsthand. You know, I must have told my son two dozen times, you know, Ted, when I lost my freedom in Cuba, I had a place to come to. If we lose our freedoms here, where are we going to go? And John, there is no place to go. This is our last stand. It is. And we cannot go like custard went. We got to stand and, and be counted and make sure America remains that shining city on a hill to the glory of God. Yes. I'll tell you, I love America with a passion, but I've seen the other side and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. And unfortunately, our young people are being brainwashed yes. in our universities. I wanted to ask you about that. Professors. We've taught and a whole generation to, uh, of students 
uh, quite frankly, where Marxists have always targeted their victims, right? They've always targeted them through the colleges and the universities and the schools. They've brainwashed an entire generation of students to hate America, to see uh, race first, division. And of course, division leads to the sort of socialist communism outcome. How encouraged are you that you're seeing those parents fight critical race theory, that you're seeing candidates step up to the plate first time and say, I'm taking a stand? What happens? What needs to happen to, to restore America to its greatness? Well, I'll tell you, I am very encouraged. Uh, as of two weeks ago, there were 160 school boards where parents had just said, absolutely, we will not accept critical race theory being taught to our students. That is multiplying all across America. Let me tell you, I speak at a lot of uh, Republican clubs and uh, conservative sure. clubs and so on and so forth. Now I am seeing the attendance at those clubs doubling and tripling. More people are no kidding. engaged and they're saying enough is enough. So I'm really encouraged. I am really encouraged. I was just at a meeting uh, last night uh, uh, that it was packed. Uh, I was to a, a, at another meeting of a club that normally had about uh, 50 people. They had over 200 people. Wow. And so people are getting engaged because they're re realizing that we are losing our freedom. There is a systematic effort to make us serve of the government. That's classic Marxism. It is. And all this class warfare that we are seeing, again, this is classic Marxism. Yep. Divide everybody into different groups, make each group seem like a victim in need of a handout, and they have to look not to God, but to almighty government, government. as their savior. Yeah. And that's exactly what is happening right now with the Biden regime. Well, we are blessed that our listeners today can learn from someone that lived through that very moment. You saw what happened in Cuba with Castro, and uh, you've seen this playbook play out and taken a great, mighty economic power, a great cultural center of the world, Cuba, and reduce it into rubble and, and economic ruin. And so we, we need to heed your very smart words, Rafael. You, you saw this, you lived through it. You're a living testament that those who fight it can become free. And so... Uh, it is in a moment, uh, a time. What uh, last question I want to ask you? What should we be watching for the next two, three weeks in Cuba? What are the telltale signs of where well, this movement will go? The telltale signs are whether people get afraid and go back to their homes, or whether they stay in the streets. If they stay in the streets, I believe that what happened in Romania, what happened in Poland, could happen in Cuba. But they're going to have to stay in the streets and not become afraid because there comes a some thug from the government with a billy club. Right. And uh, so they have to stay in the streets. And they need to try to disrupt communications so that the government cannot coordinate their efforts against them. That's such an important part. And listen, that moment existed in Tehran in the summer of 2009, and the Obama right. administration just muffed it uh, for whether it was incompetence or intention. Uh, they missed a moment. We can't miss our moment here to give the Cuban people the freedom they have longed for more than six decades. And we're so lucky to have you, uh, sir, as a voice and, of reason and, and experience because you, you lived through an earlier version of this oppression. So God bless you. And thank you for all you do, sir. You, you're a man of God well, and a man of wisdom. Well, thank you, John. And thank you for what you do. You are sounding the clarion. You are shouting it from the housetop, like Jesus said. And we need more voices like you to call out Americans to stand, to preserve the freedoms that so many shed their blood, gave their lives to give us. 
We live in the greatest country on the we face do. of the earth. And truly, if we lose America, there is no place to go. Yep, we are the it last bastion. to be with you. Yeah. You too, sir. God bless you. And thank you for all you're doing to educate a whole new generation of Americans about the opportunity we have at this very moment. It's an amazing opportunity. Uh, we'll Amen. God bless you, my brother. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon, Raphael. Thank you very much. And give our best to the senator. Thank you. All right. You. God bless you. All right, folks, we're going to do a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks, that wraps up a busy Monday. Lots of news, lots of movement, lots of vibration on the world. China hacking, Cuba's fight for freedom, um, Georgia getting a call for a criminal investigation into the vote counting in Fulton County in Atlanta, a story that we've been on top of from the very beginning here at Just the News. Broke a lot of news on that front. We're going to get it all for you in the next 24, 48 hours. Stay tuned. We'll have much more news coming up. I funny have a funny feeling there could be a big Joe Biden, Hunter Biden story in the offing. Stay tuned on that. Hopefully in the next 48 to 72 hours, we'll be breaking that. And until then, you know what to do. Anytime you got a need for a news fix, you want to check out what's going on, just go to justthenews.com. That's right, justthenews.com. You know where it is. And get a quick headline fix. We're there all day to try to give you the latest headlines, the latest news as you need. All right, folks. God bless. Have a good night. And we'll be back tomorrow with another show and some more scoops from Just the News and John Solomon Reports.